personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Leaf, who will help you get started in building your real estate empire. Grow your self-confidence, find your grit, and get the skills needed to dominate the real estate world. This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lee. Before the break, I was talking about being free. Free. We're free. And the real estate market is free. We're in phase two. New York City's getting ready for phase two. And we were talking about opportunities to buy real estate. And I'm probably like most of you, I just love real estate. Like I have a convertible. And sometimes before COVID, obviously, I would drive to the city with my convertible top down and I would just be gazing at the magnificent pieces of real estate. I'm like all of you. I actually used to have a sunfish and I would go around in the Hamptons on my sunfish just to be able to see everyone's mansions because, you know, you can't see behind the hedges, but the sunfish can see around the hedges. I'm like most of you. I love real estate. In Long Island, we have the Gold Coast. We have Fire Island. We have the Hamptons. We have the North Fork. We have paradise. There's wine country. Did you see, I don't know if you saw this line, Riverhead is going to become a beer capital of America. There's more breweries coming down to Riverhead. They're making it in the middle of a COVID. They're the visionaries. I'm reading about these. And I, if you like beer, I like you. That's what we told you last week when we were, talk, we were talking to my man who liked bacon and beer when he was fighting for the strippers' rights to get PPP. And if you like beer and bacon, we're friends immediately. But the fact of the matter is Long Island real estate is going to boom. Same thing applies if you're in Florida. I don't know if you saw, Florida just overtook Texas as the number one moving destination. Did you see that? I did because people are leaving New York City and saying, where am I going to live? Where am I going to live? And after all, why would you want to live in Texas when you could live in Florida? Like, Texas is great. Don't misunderstand. I, I, I like the people in Texas. It's a good place. But like Florida, like, you know what the problem with Texas is? Surfing. Really not a good place mm -hmm. to go surfing. Right, so the real estate market is... It's driven by surfing. Driven by Bacon, surfing, Bacon, beer, surfing. Mm -hmm. Andrew's three priorities. These are the things that matter in life. So anyway, before the break, we were talking about setting your bottom line because I'm emotionally needing to buy something. I just... We were playing Monopoly yesterday with our six-year-old, and um, he was—he's really into Monopoly. He was—I'm going to tell you how into it he is. He was playing Monopoly on his tablet at the same time we were physically playing Monopoly <laughs> on the great. board game. <laughs> yeah, he, and then he's like, "Mommy, Daddy, I really want to buy motels and hotels." <laughs> anyway, so Lauren started explaining that actually. Um, his name is Spencer. She was like, actually, Spence, mommy and daddy, we play Monopoly. That's our life. We like to play Monopoly. That's what we like to. And if, do you know how to win Monopoly, Lauren? The key to winning Monopoly. My mom was giving him bad advice. Did you hear that? My mom was telling him that you want to buy Boardwalk and Park Place. And emotionally, you might. But the key to winning Monopoly is to get as many real estate holdings as you can in a down market. That's the key. The key to winning Monopoly is that you want to acquire these assets at as low numbers as possible. So like when in Monopoly, I don't know if you know this rule. I learned this recently. I never used to play this way. If someone doesn't buy a property they land on, the banker has it. to do an auction. And, and so sometimes I would strategically not want to buy the, the piece because the auction would come about and then I could get it for a lower price than it was even asking for because I knew about my competitor's numbers. So let's go back to the numbers because together 
we're not just going to convince Lauren to buy four ho- houses and then a hotel. We're going to get some commercial property. I'm ready to invest. I'm ready. 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 I'm ready to see the numbers because it's the bottom line that makes my decision. So the first thing we have to do is realize that the numbers on the listing aren't the numbers. And what does that mean? It means they're going to tell you what's rosy. They're selling something. The listing is a pitch, and that's not a knock on listing agents. I would do the same thing if I was a listing agent. They're selling what it could be. They're selling what it could be. So you have to differentiate between what the maximum the property could put off as gross revenue and then what it actually is putting off as gross revenue. Don't buy property on what it could be because your banker, your investors are not going to care about that number. What they care about is what it is. Can you cover your costs now? That's key number one. So you first do that. And then you figure out the expenses on the property. We looked at this property. It was um, valued, I think, 1.2 or something like that. But it had $47,000 in taxes. That was the nut to start off the day. Yeah, it just didn't make any sense. Like $47,000 in taxes should be a property that's like one eight. And just to be clear, you could you could hire a, a attorney and do a tax certiorari and just to differentiate. Usually you hear a tax grievance. That's a term a lot of people use, grieve your taxes. Grieving your taxes goes into a small claims assessment review, which is what you do on residential primary occupancy property, the property you live in. If you're renting it out, if, you're, if it's commercial property, you can't use that um, type of experience. You have to hire an attorney and do a tax certiorari. And it's a much more expensive proceeding. It takes much longer. You have to pay for an appraisal. It's a to-do when you're going to... So the dream that I... If I was to buy this property, do I have any intention of paying $47,000 in taxes? Nope. Zero. I intend to grieve or do this tax certiorari. But I look at that as icing on the cake. Well, why is it icing? Because it might take two to three years mm-hmm. before we're done and we're paying that nut the whole time. And you know what? Your foreclosure situation, your bankruptcy do- situation doesn't care. When you go to the foreclosure judge, you go, listen, we shouldn't get foreclosed upon because the taxes are high. We're in the middle of grieving. In two years, we'll be able to afford it. Like that's crazy talk. That's pure crazy talk. No, you have to live in the now. You have to live in the now. So when you live in the now, you got to find out what the numbers are actually producing, but you're not done then. One of my favorites is on these listings. I don't know if you see this, Lauren. They they just write the number, but they don't write when the term's over, which means to me that it's a month-to-month term. And when it's a month-to-month term- Oh, the leases? Yeah. Yeah, you have this locked up lease, but it's- Finished in 2020. We were buying a um, strip center once, and the person that we were buying from said to us, they go, listen, these tenants have been here forever. So? <laughs> like, what does that we mean? We have a great relationship. You have a great relationship? You're leaving. Who cares about your stupid great relationship, dummy? I'm coming in. I'm a jerk. They might not like me. What I really care about well, is- Why do I going to believe your relationship with them? But even if you had one, you're not staying. So you're yeah. out of there. So like- I'm the, looking at the leases. We need to see how long the term of the lease is. So your first step after you find out what the gross revenue is today, not the projected gross revenue, is what is the term of the lease? Second step- after you find out the term of the lease, is it an entity, meaning a corporation or an LLC, that signed the lease alone? Or did they do it with an individual? Or did the individual guarantee it? Third step, does the entity have lots of other assets within that entity, LLC, corporation, within their umbrella? Or are they just judgment-proof in English? If you have a tenant that's a nail salon, 
And the only thing they own is their little nail chairs and their, their, their nail seats. And they've been out of business for three months and they didn't guarantee this with the owners of the place. How reliable is that lease? Even if it's good for the next 10 years, how are they going to have money? Now, if you alternatively have Mr. and Mrs. Smith own the nail salon and Mr. and Mrs. Smith who own the nail salon have guaranteed the lease, and Mr. and Mrs. Smith own three houses without any mortgage whatsoever, and these three houses have a valuation of $500,000 each, well, Mrs. and Mr. Smith are much less likely to fault on that lease, the long-term lease, and then it becomes reliable. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to find out what the actual gross income is now. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to measure reliability. We actually had an inverse situation on a property we were looking at recently. Do you remember that property, Lauren? It was a great property. I think it's still listed, I think. Um, And you go there and you're like, why is this property a million bucks? Like this property should easily be 1.5, 1.6, maybe more. But it's listed at 1 million? Yeah. And so what was interesting, you'll remember as soon as I tell you, is you look at this property and you go, it should be worth a lot more. But then you look at the leases and you go, this is like, you're not getting any money. There's a suboptimal leases. And the broker kept saying, well, you can get better tenants. And you know what we saw in there? There was an option to renew indefinitely for the tenant in the lease. Oh yeah. It was like almost like rent control. It was like rent control yeah. in this commercial With space. Like 1990s rent rate. And we're like, how are you going to get them out? And they're like, oh, well they might leave. Yeah. If I give them a hundred thousand dollars. like Yeah, no, that was a non-starter. <laughs> that was a non-starter. So you had to read the leases. So what you're going to want to do when you're targeting property, the first thing you want to do is after you've determined that the numbers you're seeing on the paper are good. And we're going to get into how you can determine they're good and go into capitalization rate when we get into the next segment. But on this segment, the key that you're going to do is you need to get a copy of those leases. That's the key. So don't just listen to what the broker tells you of what they're putting off. And they say, this one expires in 2021, 2023, 2027, because it expiring in 2027 in a business that's going bankrupt and has no guarantees is completely useless, 100% useless. I've also seen clauses that say, or they can get out of it in 30 days. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> we see this a lot. It's a 10-year lease, but either party, the landlord or the tenant may cancel it on 30 days notice. You know what that is? A month-to-month lease. Like, uh, it's ridiculousness. You can call uh, uh, spit anything. I mean, you could call spit rain, but it's still spit. Like, at the end of the day, it is what it is. So when we're talking about the math, we start off with the gross revenue. And I told you that we're going to have to legitimize that. But the next thing you do is you need to go to the expenses. And I told you about taxes, but taxes aren't the end of the day of the expenses. And sometimes the tenant pays the taxes, but rarely. A lot of times the tenant pays increases in taxes, but rarely do they pay all the taxes. You have to have a real sweet single unit property for them really to pay all the taxes. It's rare that they pay all the taxes. If you can get that, that's great. But what about the driveway? We have a driveway right now that we're in the middle of patching up and putting new lines in in a property. What would they want for this thing? 20 grand or something like that? Like I've seen it a lot more. Um, different paving companies, I've seen estimates go way up. Um, What's but- an estimate? Give me a number. I have a 50 per, a fifty spot drive uh, parking lot. What am I talking about numbers? I got an estimate, almost 50,000. Like these numbers are off the charts. So you have to think about all your costs and not just what they're telling you the costs are because they've been bleeding this property dry and you're going to want to own it into the future. So let's continue. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break because I got to go to commercial, but I want everyone to help me because Lauren and 
and I are going to buy some real estate. I'm going to convince her. I'm Not I'm very right I'm very Lauren. I'm in love. <laughs> so if you want to listen to this and the rest of our catalog, all you got to do is go to www.listentolieb.com and you can check out all the different topics that we talk about. We've talked about restaurants. We've talked about hospitals. We've talked about it it all. Stay tuned. Have you ever dreamed of owning a rental property, flipping a home, opening a successful business? This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lee.